Welcome to Gap Hill. Let's stand together. Have you come to lift him up? Have you come to glorify the Lord? Have you come to glorify the Lord today? Amen, amen. Let's give him glory today, church. Lord, we bless you in this place. We magnify you, O oh God. the glory let's give him praise and give him the glory oh let's give him praise he woke me up this morning shouting me on my way and give him the glory oh let's give him the praise sing it again give him the glory church well give him the glory oh let's give him Glory for he is worthy. I give him praise. I give him the glory. I give him praise. He woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. I give him the glory. Oh, let's give him praise. You got a right to praise him.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Just give him thanks, church. Honor his presence with thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift him up. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with outstretched arms, I will bless your name. blessings of this season. Help for the blessings, oh God, your birth, your resurrection. And oh God, thank you for your blood. Oh God, thank you for your precious blood. As we look back at the cross right now and the blood you shed for us, we thank you for that, oh Lord Jesus. Help us to always be mindful of that price you paid, Lord, for the precious blood you shed for each one of us, oh God. On our own level right now, oh God, you shed that blood for us. No one needed more, no one needed less. It was all perfect enough. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your blood is a rescue to the sin-stained life. Your blood is a healing for the hopeless and broken. Your blood is enough. Jesus, it's enough. Your blood is a shelter in the middle of my storm. Your blood is my refuge when I'm hurting and alone. Your blood is enough. Jesus, it's enough.
healing right now for the hopeless and broken. Your love is enough. Oh, let's sing that verse again. Sing that again. Your blood is the rescue right now. Right now he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, and your blood is the rescue for the sin-stained life. Your blood is a healing for the hopeless and broken. Your blood is enough. And Jesus, it's enough. Hallelujah. Your blood is the shelter.
his presence, church. Give him glory, give him honor. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Continue to worship. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise today in his presence? Amen. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be here today? You could be in a graveyard somewhere, and uh, then you wouldn't be able to say amen. So uh, it's good to see you today. Uh, so good to see you, Miss Ada, today. Let's give her a hand clap being back in church. God bless you. I want to thank everyone also before I get into the sermon today. I want to thank everyone for giving to the Adopted Christmas Fund. We were able to not only bless the family, but also to meet a need in our church family that really was a, a need that needed to be met. And uh, I like keeping people anonymous, but um, we just wanted to bless them from myself to cancel meeting. And so we were able to do, um, looks like, both of those things. And so we're thankful for your giving. We received $2,072. So can we give God praise for that? Amen. Really, really generous. Thank you guys for participating in that. God is definitely going to bless us for blessing other people. If his word is correct, and I believe it is, then we're going to see the favor of God shine down on us for doing what we've done. Today I want to deal with the topic, when giving thanks is tough. We often, we, we have this thing that we, <laughs> that we go through to where we feel like that, it's kind of like if I were to preach about Jesus in a manger in April, alright? Y'all people would be like, man, he really got his dates on his calendar wrong when he was planning for preaching. Who preaches about Jesus in a manger in April? But the fact is that Jesus wasn't even born in our December anyhow. So uh, really if we want to get technical with it, Jesus when we celebrate Christmas is not the actual birth of Christ. But we're not going to get that technical. We'll stick to, to tradition with December 25th. Thanksgiving's kind of the same way. Some of you last week came in here probably expecting to hear a Thanksgiving sermon sermon before we cut the turkey, but today I'm going to give it to you after we've cut the turkey, because I feel like sometimes that we've turned Thanksgiving, Christmas, and these type things, traditionally, we, we've turned them into once a year events, and sometimes maybe it does us good to kind of get off schedule a little bit and do it another day of the year to remind us that these are not things that we should apply to our life once a year. These are things that we should live 365 days out the year. Because God woke me up this morning just like he did Thanksgiving morning. And so if I'm going to be thankful, I've got to be thankful for everything that God does for me every single day. I was reading a story of a guy by the name of Matthew Henry. I've got his commentaries in my office, black and gold commentaries, Matthew Henry, uh, who wrote those, a great commentator, great books that he wrote uh, on the studies of the Bible, all from Genesis to Revelation. But one night the story was told that Matthew Henry was robbed. When he got home, he says that he was still trembling in fear from being attacked by these people that took from him. Yet he began to pray, and as he began to pray, he said that he began to regain his calmness as he began to talk to God. 
But he wrote in his journal, I wish I was a journal keeper. Can you imagine, like, you leaving a journal for your kids? My, my mother did some poems, and it's so special because you open it up, and even after they're gone, you're like, my mother wrote this? Now, there's some of you, if, if they write about how that they didn't plan on having you as a baby, it can hurt, all right? But nonetheless, it's special when you're reading those poems, you're like, Man, my mama wrote these things, or my dad wrote these things. And so Matthew Henry pulled out his journal, and I just, I can only imagine being his son after his passing and opening this up and reading it. He says, Father, I thank you first, because I was never robbed before. Are you ready for this? This is good. Secondly, I thank you because although they took my purse, we would call it wallet nowadays, they did not take my life. And third, I thank you because although they took everything I had, it really wasn't that much. And fourth, I thank you because it was I who was robbed and not, not I who robbed. Ooh. You talk about being thankful. And once he began to do this, he gained his calmness. Do you know that one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is when you find people that are Christians that can give thanks when giving thanks is tough. That's when you find a true mature Christian when all of hell has assailed against them. But yet still in their calmness, they can lift their hands and say, thank you, Jesus. It shows you spiritual maturity when you see other people and you think to yourself, I don't understand how they're still standing. I don't understand how they're still holding themselves together. It's because they have reached a place of spiritual maturity that they have learned to praise God and thank God even when times are hard. I want you to look at our text today, 1 Thessalonians 5, and we could quote it, most of us. He says, Rejoice evermore. That means in everything. Just rejoice, praise God, give Him glory, pray without ceasing, keep on praying even when you don't feel like praying. He says you just keep on praying. You just keep on rejoicing. You just keep on giving God glory. You just keep on giving your thanksgiving to God. In everything, not in some things, not in the things that we like, not in the things that we prefer, but he said in everything, in the things we dislike, in the things that we disprefer, he says in everything you just give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I can give thanks in everything because I know that God is in control of everything. And so when I get to this place, I understand that if God is in control of everything then I might as well thank God because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning my life. G. Ch G uh, K. Chesterton said it this way. When he was asked what was the greatest lesson he had ever learned in life, he said, the greatest lesson I have learned is to th take things with gratitude and not take them for granted. To take them with gratitude and not for granted. We take things for granted. We have been so blessed, we have had such a surplus of the things that we don't even need that when we actually get our necessities, we consider them that life owes it to us. That we just deserve to breathe. I mean, we deserve this air, right? 
We deserve the car we drive. We deserve the house we live in. I mean, we work hard, right? And we deserve our stuff. But let me tell you what God shows us here. He shows us that sometimes... We have had so much that we begin to take them for granted. That is why my parents taught me something very valuable. I still remember it. It's those life lessons that even as a young kid, people would walk up. I did it one time. I can't even remember what the gift was. I just remember that somebody gave it to me. And I remember saying, I don't like that. That was the last time that I ever said that. Because back in our day, you didn't get warnings. You didn't get the yellow. It was a green all the time that mom or daddy could spank you if you did wrong. And so it was an automatic butt whooping. And then the lesson that stuck with me for the rest of my life was if somebody hands you something, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, you look at them and you say these two words, thank you. You are to be thankful for everything so in an age that we have literally become spoiled, right? He went on the right. He said, you say grace before your meals. He said, but I say grace before the concert and the opera. Grace before the play and the pantomime. And grace before I open a book. Grace before I sketch or paint or swim or walk or play and grace before I dip the pen in ink. I just just say my prayer, give God thanks before I do any of these things. You see, thanksgiving is what I would like to call faith in action. There is nothing better than seeing or hearing someone walk around that says they're a child of God that lives a blessed and grateful life. It is our testimony to the world that there is something different about us. Let me tell you something. You know we be singing that song talking about he's all I need, right? Jesus is all I need. And we sing that and we talk about that. But oftentimes we don't live like that because there's so many other things that we want. Or I need this or I need that. And we're all the time grasping for more when we really deep in our heart should really believe what we say and what we see. If I don't have anything else, Jesus is all that I need. Can you really say that? Bondage of Pharaoh, who is a hard taskmaster. They do not have the things that they need. A matter of fact, they're having to scramble around just for the crumbs and the bread. Just enough bread and water to live and exist and do the king's bidding. They are slaves with slave mentality. But God sends a message to them. And he said, there is coming a day that I'm going to bring you out of this. You will not always be slaves. You will not always struggle. You will not always walk around saying, where's our next meal going to come from? You're not always going to have a Pharaoh and hard taskmaster over you. He said, there is going to come a day that there's a land that flows with milk and honey. And it's going to be your land. You're going to possess it. There's going to come a day that everywhere that your feet touch, it's going to be your property just like I told Abraham. And I'm still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And I'm your God. You're the apple of my eye. There is coming a day when you're not going to be the tail, but you're going to be the head. There's coming a day that you're not going to be the victim, but you're going to be the victor. There's coming a day that everything as you know it is going to change. No more slave mentality for you are going to be kings and priests with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ victory is yours when you get to the land he said I want you to do this 
When you have eaten, oh, praise God. See, see, it, when, when we studied it in our search 66, how that they got into the wilderness, they got hungry, they began to ask God, would you give us some food? And what did God do? He sent manna, right? Angel's food cake. It comes from heaven. What does manna mean? Y'all remember our little Bible error that we had out there? It was one of our questions. Manna meant nothing. Or I don't know what it means. That, that basically is what it was. I can't remember the exact definition. But basically we don't know what it is. It just falls from the sky. It's, it's just enough to sustain them. It's nourishment. So I call it angel's food cake. Even though it wasn't probably as good as angel's food cake. With, with strawberries. And anyhow, let's get out of off of that. And so it's falling from the sky and they're just eating it. And then they get tired of their manna, right? And so they're like, Lord, why do we have to eat manna? We don't want manna anymore. So God says, just hold on. You're going to the promised land. When you get there, there's grapes that are so big, the cluster's on the vine. You're gonna, it's going to take two men to carry these things. I mean, the blood, in the favor of God. But he said, when you get there, when you have eaten it, he says, I want you, when you are satisfied, I need you to be sure that you remember to praise God and to thank God because I want you to remember where you came from. See, there's some people in here, I'm afraid that we forgot where we came from. We, we Oh, come on, somebody. I mean, we have forgot. We We've been blessed for so long. We've had so much for so long that we forgot what it was like when we couldn't go out to eat a meal because money was short in the bank. We forgot what it was like when we were just scrambling to get by and we had to go get the pennies and the quarters that we had and pour it in the one of them penny machines. We couldn't even afford to do that. We just rolled it up ourselves to save the money. I mean, we forget what that is. Now we just like, oh, I just saved that all year long, then we go on vacation with it. We forget the hard times. But God wanted His people to remember, when you get there and when you're blessed and when you're doing well, I don't want you to forget to give thanks. In First Chronicles, i got to hurry, 16, give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. Make known among the nations his great name and all that he has done. In Psalm 50, sacrifice thanks offerings. In Psalm 107, sacrifice thanks offerings. And tell of his works with songs of joy. Sing about it. Talk about it. There may be nothing. I was thinking just yesterday. There, there, there may be nothing worse in the world than an ungrateful Christian. Really. I mean, that may be the worst person in the world is somebody that claims to have Jesus Christ living inside of them. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. And all they ever do is grumble and complain and ungrateful and they've never got enough and they're this and that. That's probably the saddest person in the world. Because Christians shouldn't live like that, folks. We're serving the King of kings. And even in our time of what we feel like is lack Compared to other people in the world, we've still got a surplus. Give thanks to God. I'm, I'm going to give you this one. I was reading this, and I know we've already had Thanksgiving, but, but I thought it was a funny story because there's this woman that's got a parrot. This parrot, like some of us, just complains about everything. It's Thanksgiving Eve. She's preparing the Thanksgiving meal. The parrot complains about everything as she worked. Finally, she's had enough of hearing this parrot. So she takes the parrot out of the cage. She opens the refrigerator. She puts him in just to punish him. You'll stay in the refrigerator until you cool off, man, and you get your tongue under control. She said as she closed the door. 
The parrot was stunned, shivering. He caught a glimpse of the Thanksgiving turkey skin, legs pointed upward from the pan. The parrot said to the turkey, good heavens, man, what did you say? All right, there you go. (laughs) When you give thanks in tough times, I'm going to give you three things really fast that are going to happen. Number one, the reason for it is it cultivates your character. That means to grow your character. Notice what Paul says. He says the cultivation of gratitude is the will of God. Cultivation means to promote something. So even in our weaknesses, even in our lack of of what we feel like we should have, we still promote gratitude. We still promote that God is in control. It is difficult to do. But during these times, God is growing us. He is growing our character. When we learn to still give Him thanks, when we feel like God isn't doing what God should do. Cicero said Thanksgiving is not the only, the greatest of all virtues. It is the parent of all virtues. We recognize it as parents that when we train our kids, the first virtues that we try to instill in them is the virtue of thanksgiving when eating we try to tell them would you please just say your blessing right say your blessing before you eat it was so instilled in me that I get ready to pop a peppermint and I'm like thank you Jesus for this peppermint thank you Lord for this piece of bubble gum hallelujah it's so in me and because mama thought, you got to thank God. you got to give God glory. And then do you remember we sitting there and we wanted to eat the collard greens. And the famous words was, well, you ain't hungry enough yet. And then you got to hear a story of when they didn't have enough and all this kind of stuff. Some of you, you, some of you kids, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now in here. You're like, what in the world are y'all talking about? We eat mac and cheese out of the box, right? <laughs> Times have changed. But back then, you did, boy, you eat your food. And I used to hear the sermon all the time. Boy, there's people, we used to say in Africa, there's people starving in Africa. And then we started realizing that even in the United States that we had kids that were even starving here. So be thankful for what you have on your plate. Give God glory for it. Without thanksgiving, we grow up selfish, narcissistic. We grow up manipulative in our actions. We grow up complaining and thinking that the world owes us something for a living. The government owes us. Everybody owes us. And that is why we have this entitled what we'll call spoiled brat syndrome. Don't that, uh, spoiled brats just that, don't that sound so rude? You bunch of spoiled brats. I mean, it just sounds rude. But it's what we are creating in our generation. Spoiled brats. And how do we do that? We do that by giving and giving and giving until they don't realize what it is to not have anything. Focus on the haves in your life and not the have-nots. I'm going to say that again. Focus on your haves and not your have-nots. Can I tell somebody here today that we can all think of things that we have not, right? I mean, who wants that Ferrari? There's some guy in here in it, about 50 or 60, going through a midlife crisis that said, Man, I can't wait to get my Ferrari. And your wife's thinking, Man, I'll be glad when you get through this midlife crisis. I mean, there's something in us. There's a have-not that we want. We all got that. But do you know when you get that way, when you stop focusing on your have-nots and you say, wait a minute, let me think about what I have. And you start naming things that you have. See, there was a writer that wrote it this way one time. He said, he said count your blessings. 
Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So in other words, I I love that song because he says name them one by one. Thank you, Lord, for my house that I'm living in. Thank you, Lord, for the cars, plural, that we have. And we only got two. Don't think I'm some millionaire with ten in my garage, all right? I can hardly fit one in my garage, so don't think. Thank you, Lord, for the suit that I wear. I could say suits. Because I knew Vernell Ganey that went to my church. Little lady sat about the third pew back. She was a mother of Israel. And I remember her telling the story of how that she had one dress to wear to church and the work. And she would go to work. She'd run home. She'd wring it out. Get Hang it out to dry. She'd go to church. They'd have revival. And she'd wear that dress all week long. Work, church. Work, church. And I remember her testifying and saying, I just praised God the day that I got a second dress. She said, so I started wearing one to work and one to church. I mean, we've got to the place, if we wore the same outfit every week, people would be like, huh, hmm, something's up here. Who cares, right? i got to focus on my haves and not my have-nots. At least I'm clothed. At least I do have shoes. At least I'm not walking in the church barefooted. At least God has blessed me that way. When you begin to count your blessings, what I'm trying to tell you is even an ungrateful, spoiled heart will begin to say, My Lord, how blessed I am. I, I didn't realize how good I had it until I really started counting my blessings. See, what God is trying to do with you, He is trying to cultivate your character. So name what God has given to you. Name your house. Name your family. Name the friends that are in your life. Name that you go to a good church. Bless God. That's right. Amen. Frog won't croak in his own pond. He's not much of a frog. You go to the best church. You ought to count your blessings. God is growing and cultivating you. He's cultivating your character. Number two, increase your joy. Giving thanks increases your joy. In verse 16 and verse 18 of my text, there are two words that are interconnected, interlocked, interjoined, whatever you want to say. It is rejoicing. And it is thanksgiving. As long as, see the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. As long as I am rejoicing, as long as I am giving God glory, as long as I am just praising Him, now all of a sudden my rejoicing and my joy converts over into thanksgiving. They are intertwined. It appears in Colossians 1.12, the words thanksgiving and the word joy coming from the same root word, meaning grace. Aren't you glad for that? Thanksgiving and joy come from the same, the same Greek root. If you don't, I was thinking about this yesterday. So if, if you don't give thanks, alright? If you don't give thanks, what will you give? I'm going to say it again. If you don't give thanks, then what will you give? If you can't give thanks to the world, and if they can't see this faith in action, if they can't see this increased joy from your rejoicing and thanksgiving, if you don't give thanks, then what are you going to give? 
I'm going to tell you what you're going to give. You're going to give anger. That's just in your heart for the things you don't have that other people have. You're going to give resentment. Because you didn't get the pay raise you thought you should have get. Or you're going to give resentment because somebody else, another employee, Karen over there, got more than I got. And so now you've got this resentment is all you give the world. Maybe doubt. Maybe complaint is what you give. So if you're not going to give thanksgiving, then tell me what else are you going to give. I say to you today, give thanksgiving. Listen, one guy said it this way. He said, when you cannot adjust or change the wind, he said, just adjust yourselves. There's times that you can't change life. But you can adjust your spiritual selves. In other words, you can change how you are going to respond to it. You're going to go with the flow. Just take the punches of life. But do it with thanksgiving. Because when you are thankful for what you have, you are going to be a happier person. And not only is it good for you, we'll be glad for it too. Be on the lookout for mercies. The more we look for them, the more of them we will see. Blessings brighten when we count them. Out of the determination of the heart, the eyes see. If you want to be gloomy, there's gloom enough to keep you gloomy. If you want to be happy, then guess what? There's gleam enough to keep you glad. Better to lose count while naming your blessings. Than to lose your blessings by counting your troubles. Number three. When you have a life of thanksgiving, it will conquer your problems. It doesn't mean that when you give thanks that all your problems go away. Alright? I mean that your problems stop being such a problem. You live not from the outside in... We as Christians live from the inside out. What does that mean in layman's terms? That means that we don't live based on circumstances around us. We do not live by what happens to us. We live by what has happened within us. All the events, that's right, I said all the events that could be summed up in one phrase in our text today. He said, in everything, what do you do? You give thanks. Did everybody hear that? I'm going to say it again because I need you to grab it. In everything, what do you do? You just simply give thanks. You may not like it. It's not something you would have picked or chosen. But you can control how you respond. Because Thanksgiving delivers us from this victim mentality. And it makes us have this victor's mentality. A champion, an overcomer, a winner. There was a writing one time that said this. Nothing can help the person with the wrong mental attitude. Right? So in other words, if you think negative, negative is going to happen. If you have a bad, rotten attitude, then bad, rotten things are going to happen. You can't help somebody that's got a wrong mindset. 
They can come in my office. They can tell me all their troubles. But if they have already made it up in their mind that the worst is going to happen, there's nothing I can do for them. You can't help people with the wrong mental attitude. But on the other hand, nothing can stop a person with the right mental attitude. Because they believe with God all things are possible. And they believe that even though I'm going through hell and high water right now, bless God, I'm going to get a piece of the pie. Heaven's on the other side of this trial. There's something in them that keeps this right mindset and says, I'm going to thank God when it's good. I'm going to thank God when it's bad. And the right mental attitude to overcome your obstacles and win your battles is simple thanksgiving. In everything, give thanks. For this is, rejoice evermore. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I was thinking the other day, and I hate Bonnie's not here with us today, Faith. I see her missing this morning. I was thinking about hashtag inspiration, you know. Bonnie, she's been going through those cancer treatments. And some Sundays she came in here, can't hardly go, still comes to church when she can. And I was sitting there the other day, and I said, man. Because I started looking, and, and she sent me. She don't do a lot of texting, but she does, well, every now and then we text, but she sends me a lot of emails. Like she writes out emails. And, and in there, so often, she was writing, this is what the doctor said, this is where we are, I want you to know where I am in my journey. But, but then, all of a sudden, the tune changes. And I can't remember which one it was, but one of us, she was saying, but I thank God that. And she started listening things. And, and when I read that, I thought, that, that's exactly, exactly what I'm talking about today. Because it's not easy. It is a right mindset that says I'm going to give thanks even when it's tough. George, you've been going through those treatments. I look at you every week. Man, you don't know what it does to me. When I look back there and I see your hands lifted and you praising God, giving God thanks. It does something to the inside of me. Because I know giving thanks is tough. And there's some of you in here today. I may not know your story. You haven't wrote me a text. You haven't sent me an email. But there's some of you in here today that, boy, it's tough today to give God thanks. Because you know what you're going through and you know what your situation is. But I want to tell you with a grateful heart, I need you to take just a moment. And I need you to count your blessings. I need you not only to count them, I need you to name them one by one. I need you to let the devil and all of hell hear you say, this is what I thank God for. That is what I thank God for. I am not focusing on my have-nots. I am focusing on my haves. And I'm telling you, when you begin to do that, the glory of God is going to show up in your life. I'm telling you, friend, the presence of God is going to fill your life in a way and you're going to find calmness and you're going to find peace and and you're going to find tranquility in bad situations whenever you learn you just got to thank God even when it's hard to do even when it's tough and you don't feel like it but you still realize man I've got something to be thankful for let's all stand in the presence of God I'm closing my Lord Mm. Jesus I thank you today I thank you today for who you are. I thank you today for what you've done. I thank you today 
Father, that those among us, you know the struggles that they're facing. You know the hardships they're going through. I'm asking you to help them today to remember their haves and not their have-nots. And I'm asking you to help them not to allow their outside to control the inside. But let them from the inside, from deep down within, that well of springing water that the woman at the well found when she said, it's just gushing up inside of me. And God said, there's going to come in you springs and fountains of living water that are rising up inside of you. So we thank you from the inside. We live from the inside out. My God, you ready to sing? Hard, get going. With a song of praise, without stretch, God. If you want to come to the altar, it's open. I will bless your name. If not, just give it glory right there. You, Lord. Name them one by one. I just want to thank you, Lord. You can lift your hand and say, God, I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Jesus. Stretched arm, Lord, I'll bless your name and thank 